You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 30 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome, come onto the line, it's Tom Hiscott, of course, the author of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom, how are you? Not too bad, I'm doing well myself, so that's that's, that's important, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a tough time for everybody, but yeah, not doing too bad at the moment yourself. I'm yeah, I'm doing all right. I've managed to survive two days of homeschooling <laughs> my children, um, which I don't know whether I've survived it or they've survived it. Really, it's, um, it's Joint been effort. It very much so. I mean, I, I have to say, it's quite a, a sort of. I, I've really enjoyed the experience of of spending time at home with the kids and learning, because obviously they're not at school at the moment, and the schools have sent back little tasks for them to do. And I mean, they're only at primary school, so I mean, I can't, you know, I, I'm not being taxed mentally that much, but. <laughs> It is um, It is quite sort of, I've really enjoyed having the opportunity to sit down and do some maths and English and all that sort of stuff that I'm, I'm very pleased that I left behind academically many years ago. <laughs> have, ha, whether I feel the same in about <laughs> nine weeks or not, I don't know. I'll probably be pulling my hair out. But I mean, yeah. we, you know, that, that's that's the nature of the beast. I mean, how have you been coping with sort of being locked up at home? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? <clears throat> trying to, you know trying to pass the time trying to keep some sort of i don't know schedule but it's it's difficult isn't it with nothing really nothing really happening i guess um you know getting getting my one use of going out every day try and go out early in the morning and you know, get some fresh air fortunately the weather's all right so that's a it's a boost i guess uh but yeah when you come home you're sort of catching up on movies that i've never never seen before and i've got sort of you know probably for Fallen by the wayside, have other important things happening and missed out on watching them. So, yeah, catching up on a few few old bits and bobs that, yeah, probably should have watched in the past, but now I've got the time. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult, um, yeah, passing the time as best as possible. As well as lockdown continues, then, of course, I think we'll probably have to start getting your um, movie reviews. Mm, um, maybe. That's, that would be, a, yes, that would be a good, that would be a good feature. I mean, the other thing, of course, I've been, I've been, I've started doing this Joe Wicks workout. Oh, I did it this morning. With Joe Wicks. I did it this did morning. I, yeah, I did. I, well, I'd heard, obviously, it was, um, it was going well. Uh, and obviously, I, yeah, I, well, not working at the moment, but I, yeah, do work at school. So I'd seen them talking about it quite a lot my mum works at school as well and she said they'd they'd been using it so i did i did tune in this morning um yeah give myself as i say get myself up and up and going in the morning so yeah i did did try it is um, much more difficult than i anticipated <laughs> you're telling me i haven't done any exercise <laughs> for 10 years i mean yeah, it's taking the coronavirus and joe wicks to actually get me doing some lunges <laughs> again yeah i mean it's uh no it's it's i've found it really i've found it really enjoyable i mean I, again yeah. i do it i do it with the kids but unfortunately i'm I'm just dead scared with some of those knee sort of exercises oh, yeah. i don't want to start i'm worried about, i'm going to take them out you know I was, but, yeah i was doing some stretches that i'd never even yeah knew really existed so it was um yeah I'm a bit, bit stiff already and that was only a few hours ago i'd done that so i don't know what how i feel tomorrow morning but we'll, we'll wait and see well, I'm I'm really pleased. I know that you're tuning in. I'll be there as well. It's like <laughs> yes, it's, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's yeah, the virtual yeah. community, and of course, yeah. we're very much here at the podcast, conscious of our virtual community. And in order to bring this back to uh, Western League football, I did actually see yesterday a tweet from Welton Rovers. One of their players, Chris Pyle, has put out some. Um, 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 exercises for kids to do. I think it's football related, um, whilst they're you know obviously at home. So I mean, I, whether or not I'll be able to successfully attempt those on my children, I, I I I'm yet to find out. But 
clearly plenty of activities going on, not only in the wider world, but also in the Western League world um, during this uh, this lockdown. And that's very much the theme of uh, what we're going to be bringing you today. We're going to have an element of, of, of the sort of the current situation, if you like. And also we'll be trying to give you an element of normal football to talk about as well. We're going to kick off with an interview that um, I've done with John Paul, the chairman of the Tool Station Western League, where we talk about um, the league's view on, on the current postponement of matches. And also we will be concluding on time, I'm pleased to say, the we were going to break down the interviews I did with Martin Cassidy, of course, of Ref Support, into four parts. And um, and uh, the, possibly the only thing that is concluding on time in the entire football world at the moment is that very interview schedule. Um, but um, uh, we're going to play you the whole interview today. We missed an episode um, last week because I did an interview with Dave Brammer um, for the, um, uh, obviously for the podcast. And that was at the sort of outbreak of, of, of the current um fixture hiatus but um but obviously john paul will be bringing us um will be bringing you up to date now really where the story is at the moment um tom the western league issued a statement didn't they i think it was on saturday mm. um it went out to the clubs and it was um it was it was made sort of public to the fans on social media on monday and it was um, a statement that really was setting out the league's position before uh, a, a meeting um, with the with all of the leagues at Steps 5 and 6 in the FA that happened yesterday. Now, obviously, I will talk to John in the interview about that meeting, but, Tom, could you just give us a flavour of, of what the Western League were promoting on um, on Monday? Tool Station uh, leagues, yeah, like, like the rest, uh, wanting to know how, how they're going to get on with the season so they did yeah release that statement as you said and they'd obviously looked at various options as to how how the season could be concluded uh, and obviously everyone's doing that not just the leagues but the clubs and, and players and what have you uh, obviously there's a range of possibilities this is from their, their statement uh, and obviously whichever one was finally uh, decided upon it's going to be inevitable that, that some clubs and, and leagues will be disappointed um, obviously um, not everybody's probably going to have the, the same opinions as to how things are, are going to pan out but these are unprecedented times but uh, yeah the Western League uh, feels that the current season uh, should be abandoned and that no promotions and relegations should take place uh, basically making this season obviously we're you know just over halfway through but they, they feel it should probably be, be voided uh, and then hopefully um, if well nobody knows how this uh, this, this virus and, and the extent of it's gonna gonna how long it's gonna last etc uh, but yeah hopefully can get started with the the 2021 season um, hopefully can start that on time and then um, take that as uh, as the new starting point uh, the main the main issue with drawing a line under the, the season which is you know, as I say just over halfway through I would say in terms of fixtures in our league obviously it should be a little bit further on but we've had all those postponements and what have you uh, is the promotion and relegation there has been talk of it being on a, a points per game basis that that could be carried out, but you know, still plenty of games uh, in, in in the Premier Division and the First Division that haven't been played, so that doesn't particularly seem uh, fair. But then I don't think fairness comes into it at a time like this. We've all got to sort of band together, don't we? Uh, but yeah, but so clubs placed just below the the promotion places, obviously, could, could rightly uh, argue that with, with with so many games left, as I said, um, they would have a realistic chance of promotion. I think we've got. I haven't got the, the league tables right in front of me, but there's a few teams uh, with, with quite a few games in hand that if they won those, um, they'd be they'd, they'd be overtaking quite a lot of teams in front of them. So there's there's still quite a lot of uh, room for manoeuvre. Uh, and obviously at the uh, the other end of the table, 
Bristol Telephone, who's to, for instance, who's to say that they couldn't, you know, rack up a, a, a couple of wins? They did that recently and, and, and shorten the gap. Uh, who's to say they couldn't continue uh, a good bit of form and, and catch those teams ahead of them and potentially uh, survive in, in terms of a, if, if the league season did uh, did conclude? Um, so, yeah, there's obviously... Uh, and the other issue that has been brought up in, in uh, by the Western League was uh, playoff matches and obviously readiness for the, the 2021 season. Uh, there might not be enough time to fit those in. So, yeah, quite a lot of uh, information in that uh, statement uh, released on, uh, yeah, as you said, I think it was released on Saturday. Well, that was the state of play going into the meeting, the WebEx meeting with the Football Association on Tuesday afternoon. So I started my questions to League Chairman John Paul by asking him, what we know now coming out of that meeting. Not an answer you want, Ian, but virtually nothing. Um, there's obviously a conflict um, with regards to the respective leagues. Um, I'm talking just five and six at the moment. I think everybody's aware now of what our approach to it was, that we believe that the leagues should have been aborted. There are other leagues... Um, and it's fair to say that they've got a different view on it and, and they're looking at the points per game. Um, the meeting was started by Mark Frost, the chairman of the Leagues Committee, who made it clear that their view was, as a Leagues Committee, that a season should be aborted. That was good to hear, but then he went on to express that that was not a view that was shared by the Alliance Leagues. Um, and therefore whilst they were trying to adopt what they termed as a cohesive approach to everything. That was obviously going to cause problems going forward. So, from our own perspective, we've not got what we wanted um, because what we wanted is is a decision. Um, we could go back to the clouds, we could give a clear indication as regards to what was going to happen between now and what was supposed to be the end of the season, April the 27th. And we've not got that. So effectively, all options are still on the table for the Football Association. Very much so. Very much so. They, they as I, you know, as I indicated, they they appear to be trying to find a way of virtually treating everybody um, the same way. If that makes sense. I mean, I. I I don't know how they're ever going to do it. To be quite honest, because the National League appears to have its own agenda, whereas. It does look at from steps three down that everybody is of the view that certainly the league needs to be terminated. I think there may be a question over with some leagues as regards to how you achieve that. Um, and I think that is probably the dilemma they're in. But certainly the National League still is looking to see games to be played to fulfil the 1920 season. I don't know. I just don't know where they're coming from. I think they're probably allowing themselves to the football league and looking at ways and means of trying to, you know, play more games. But it, it just, it really doesn't add up. If if we then look at the the position that you've set out that the Western League have adopted, which is that you want the season or you believe that the season should be abandoned and that no promotions, um, all relegations should take place. Um, what what was the decision making process? What was the thought behind that that statement? There's a considerable amount went into it, to be quite honest, because, like I say, you know, we're, we were conscious of, of promotion relegation. Behind all this, there was also the potential for what was, you know, the, the big move, if you like, you know, the pure, the pure pyramid, a 
intent that they were going to have at the end of this season. So we knew that any decisions that we reached could, you know, impact on that or not. The decision, to a certain degree, became fairly straightforward in the end, simply because we could not get away from the fact that there were so many games to be played that there was always the potential for having, you know, changes within league positions, you know, for what was left of the season. And, and, you know, conscious of the fact that some of those clubs were down, you know, to Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, it was just, a, to us, a fairly straightforward decision, really, that, that, you know, would it not add clarity by quite simply saying, abort the season to everybody. Look, we, we, knew, we knew, obviously, that promotion and relegation was, you know, an integral part of what it's all about. The integrity of the league was at stake here as well. And, and you know, you, you only look at the league tables now and then you go points per game and all of a sudden you've caused confusion straight away. You've got clubs on the bottom of the table that still would believe with the number of games that are being played, they could get themselves out of it. So, you know, the points per game really, in our view, was just never going to work. I mean, obviously, whatever outcome we get from this process, there's going to be winners and losers. And you've talked about, you know, clubs that, that, that may have thought they could avoid relegation. But, of course, there's going to be other clubs, you know, at the top of both tables that were obviously looking for promotion. You know, the likes of Plymouth Parkway and Bradford, Carn and Sherbourne. Um, I mean, you can understand why their fans, you know, if the decision is taken to avoid the season, you can understand why their fans would be disappointed. Absolutely, can. I, I, I mean... You know, you, you look at the Bitten situation. I mean, how tragic is that? And, and I mean, to be fair, that that's not been part of any of the decisions that, that you know we've made, or uh, as I'm aware, the FA have never ever put that on the table for discussion. So I don't quite know whether there will be, you know, any um, any solution to that um, with regards to the FA board and the FA trophy at the moment all the efforts are being concentrated on, on the league. Um, and like you say, our, our proposal was put forward on the basis that we felt that was more equitable than, than really doing anything else. There's always going to be winners and losers in this, as you rightly say. And, and I think to start the season again with a clean sheet is probably the, the best solution. I wouldn't expect everybody to agree with that, but that that was a view that we that we we reached because we thought that we were being pretty much fair to everybody in the, in the best way possible. Now, obviously, this this crisis, this current crisis, is far from over, and it feels, in some respects, that we've got far more important things to be talking about than football at the moment. But um, looking at the footballing situation, the football family what are the western league currently doing because i know your role hasn't stopped clearly obviously we're talking about yesterday's meeting but the role of yourself and the board you haven't stopped working have you during this crisis so i mean what are you currently working on um as this situation develops and 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 how are you looking to support the member clubs what we're trying to do is is we want a decision as much as anybody else wants a decision yeah the, the clubs want clarity you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they want clarity. And so do we, because what we're trying to do is to actually put together like an end of season, uh, I'll call it package. We need, we're looking at the finance, we're fully, you know, fully aware of where the clubs sit at this present time. 
I'm, there is there is a genuine fear that some clubs may just may not survive this. So what we're trying to do is, like I said, once we can get some decisions and we know where you know finance it, then we will be in a better position to be able to you know we're having discussions. We we've got you know we've got ongoing. Um, proposals that, that we we want to you know we want to enlarge on but at the moment we can't we can't go anywhere with it simply because we just don't know what you know, I, I mean if you take a points per game scenario then one would imagine that there will be winners and losers well that's obviously going to change the scene somewhat in terms of you know prize monies and all sorts of things so we we need to we need time to be or we need a decision we did approach the counties on, on behalf of the clubs uh, with regards to the suspension of fines um, and such like. The response was very much anybody in any difficulties needs to speak to us. So that wasn't really the response we were looking for. I suppose we, we would like to, for them to sort of said, look, we'll suspend all fines. I wouldn't have expected them to, you know, to the suspensions became irrelevant anyway, really. I mean, how they went approached that but it was the fines that concerned us because you know there's guys out of work you know blah 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 I, I mean it's there are so many different slants on all of this and yeah we're conscious of it we're at it all the time we've got on us every day we're in fact at the moment we're looking at ways and means we, we had a meeting scheduled ironically for yesterday uh, with the officers we had to abort that um, the night before because of, of the government guidelines um, so we're looking at ways and means now. We're still trying to be able to communicate through WebEx or something like that, trying to set something up, because we we need to try to take care of the clubs in the best way possible. I mean, obviously, you've talked about the economic hardship that um, that the clubs are facing. There's obviously a social angle to this as well, isn't there? And I know that the league recently launched a campaign to think of a fan. So that's very much in keeping with that social ethos as well as the financial situation that you've just been describing. That was deep, to be honest. I mean, to think of a fan, I think, could be well identified by the fact that, you know, you stand on the terraces at three o'clock in the afternoon and, and, you know, you stand there with your mate and you're going to have a point with your mate after. But what we were also conscious of, that those same people, more often than not, are integral parts of the club. And, you know, the grass still grows. You know, the paintbrush still comes out. Um, and they still got an awfully important, you know, I'm talking about people now in that, in that vulnerable age. And if you go through all the clubs in the league, you know, the majority have got one or, one or more of that. In some cases, you know, people that are, you know, elderly, if you like, and they're the backbone of clubs. And it was just, the thought was that those people, the importance of those people, should never ever be forgotten and I think now when you don't have that contact through a Saturday afternoon or a midweek fixture it, it's, it's easy for people to be you know just forgot about and I think that would be tragic and, and, and the view was that think of a fan if nothing else you know just make sure that in the first instance they're okay um, and a second you know just make sure that, that you retain some sort of contact because, trust me, if and when it all starts again, you know, they're still going to be very, very important, whether they've just stood on the terraces or still playing the part they've always played in keeping clubs going. John, thank you very much indeed for your time. 
Um, and um, and thank you for keeping us informed about um, about what the football's governing bodies are thinking at, at this very difficult time. And, and please, above all, stay safe. Ian, just can I, before you go, could I just say uh, a big thank you on behalf of the league to yourself, to James and to Tom. Um, the fact that you keep promoting the league in the way that you do. Tour station is obviously important to us. That's another concern we got at the moment. We need to be speaking with sponsors and such like. So, yes, from all of us, a big thank you to yourselves as well. Thank you. And my thanks to John for his time. Now, we'll move back to our original schedule. Had um, the postponement of fixtures and the coronavirus not happened, we would be concluding our um, it's a series of interviews with the chief executive of Ref Support, Mr. Martin Cassidy. Now, this was very much part of our Love the Whistle campaign. It was a campaign promoted by the Tool Station Western League to support the outstanding work that match officials do, not just in our league, but across the leagues as well. So to try and turn back to some form of normality, we go back to that full interview I did with Martin Cassidy. And of course, I started, Martin, by asking him to explain what Ref Support is all about. Hi Ian, well Wrestleport UK are the first registered referee charity in the world and we were we were created by referees who have funny enough all four of our trustees have officiated on the on the Western League for some time and we wanted to create something to give referees independent support away from the FA. We don't receive any funding off the FA or any government body so we can have our independence so we can challenge the FA on what we want to improve about referees' training and support both on and off the field of play. In the terms of the structure of the pyramid, what, what, what levels do you, um, do you support referees at? Well, we, we, we offer that support to any referee across the country, particularly um, referees who want to remain anonymous. We have our referees from professional level contact us for advice and support, but we like to concentrate our, ours on grassroots level. So we coach and mentor referees right up to level 2B, which is the conference north and south level, and right down to grassroots level for people who's just taken the referees exam. So obviously you're taking an interest in, in the Western League as a, as a league. I mean, when you look at the standard of officiating and perhaps the treatment of match officials in, in the Western League at the moment, how do you assess the health of the game? Well, the health of the game nationally is is problematic. It's not just confined to the Western League, but we do work with other leagues. But because we're southwest based, and we started in the southwest, and like I said, all our trustees have have worked on the Western League. Well, combined, we've done about a hundred years on, on the Western League. Richard Mellon, people will know Richard Mellon. People will know uh, Dave Brammer, obviously myself, and Janie Frampton, who was one of the first women to referee on the Western League alongside a, you know, a, a legend lady called Wendy Toms. So we we think um, the Western League just reflects everywhere else. The only thing that we think is absolutely brilliant about the Western League is how they've addressed the support for referees. They were the first league in the country to approach us and ask us for some independent help and support because we, just, we won't just take the referees' side. We do offer consultancies to football clubs on things like match reports from referees about the performance, uh, dismissals and yellow cards and EOIs, which are extraordinary incident reports which a referee might, might, might send in. Now, we've said this before on, on record that we're never going to say that every referee is 
is perfect for the level they operate at. Some referees are up too quickly. Some referees just haven't had the soft skills training of how to deal with confrontation and challenging conversations and 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 confrontation. And those skills are not taught by the FA um, at grassroots level. And we believe concentrating on those first and getting your soft skills, you know, to a level that can help you aid your control of and your communication with players and club officials really, really helps. So that's something that we like to um, to really concentrate on. So when you talk about support, uh, is your primary um, function really to help develop um, match official skills, you know, their knowledge of the game, perhaps the, the way that they manage players, the way that they manage situations with, with, um, with managers, that sort of thing? Yeah, all, all of it really. You know, referees, particularly at Western League level, and the assistant referees, they should be fully compliant with law. They should know that, you know, if they're not up to speed with all the modern practices and law amendments, then they shouldn't be operating at that level, frankly. And I know there's some changes have come in recently, particularly at the Western League with sin bins, which are a challenge to referees. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But it's a tool that's, you know, that we think is a good tool to, to have in the box. But we, we concentrate on everything, really. Some people, you know, say, contact us in, in confidence and others want us to go public with things that's happened to them. Some that we talk to, probably we'll tell them that maybe you've, you could have prevented that. With, with our association with the Western League particularly, with you know some of the managers about, some of these guys that are now managers and chairman of football clubs, we refereed. So when we go to clubs, we've got a really good connection with an awful lot of these clubs. And so a lot of them are really honest and open with us and they tell us how they feel and they tell us what they think of the referee, both positive and negative. But one thing that is clear is that a lot of managers, the personality changes when they're on the field to play, depends on the result of the game and their perception of the performance of the match officials. We can sit down with loads of referees in the Western League and, and with managers as well and have a pint and a chat and everything's fine if it's away from the game. The Western League Conference is a really good example of that. I know we love going down there and having a pipe with some chairman and, and managers and players and, and people realise that, you know, we are fans of the game and we're not just just this, you know, necessary evil of the game. I follow you on Twitter, as I'm sure many clubs and, and, and fans of the Western League will as well, and I've noticed that, obviously, you've been very keen to... Um, Counteract criticism of of match officials um, uh, in you know certainly in recent weeks you've probably been doing it for, for, for some time. In fairness, when when it comes to the criticism of 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 match officials, are you are you more concerned about uh, about how the players or the managers perhaps are interacting with match officials, or, or are you mo- most concerned about the way that fans are treating um, match officials from the sidelines? I think it's, it's all the above. I think it's absolutely all of the above, and we. We have made a conservative effort to, to address online abuse. You've only got to see what's happened recently in, in the national news of what online abuse can do. And why should referees as individuals be any exception? And, and it's, it's been really interesting this, this last, say, week or so because there's people I've seen on Twitter who are abusing referees almost weekly. Some of the abuse might be soft abuse. You know, blaming him for a goal, he's missed a penalty, it should never have been a red. Some are a bit more personal, which have resulted in reports. But And then these same people are then tweeting how terrible it is that people are committing suicide because of online abuse. Now, the hypocrisy of that is breathtaking. So that's the first point I, I, I want to be able to make on that. But the reason we've done it, we feel, is that clubs, players and managers have got away with it for too long of just venting their spleen on Twitter 
and thinking no one's going to answer them back. The FA never answered them back. Referees are told not to have social media accounts at Premier League level and at grassroots level, they're encouraged not to comment on their particular match. And that's very frustrating, particularly when we've been to a match and we've watched the referee have, you know, a, a good game or an excellent game, might have missed something. But these referees get absolutely castigated for making mistakes like a dodgy offside, a dodgy free kick, a dodgy penalty. But no one says anything about the player that scores an own goal. The player that gets a stupid second yellow is already yellowed and he says something stupid to the referee. So the hypocrisy of some of the Twitter accounts is that they won't say anything to their own players, but they'll, they'll straight away they'll, they'll jump right right on the referee's back. A really good example was, was, was last week in the, um, the Forest West Brom game. And we even had a, had a, a Twitter exchange with, with Lee Westwood, the, the famous golfer, because he was naming and shaming the referee calling them all, you know, all the names under the sun. And I hadn't, I hadn't looked at it. And people were saying to me, oh, you haven't seen the game, how can you comment? But we were comments on the abuse, the validity that people think just because the referees had a bad game, we can go out and absolutely slaughter them. Now, when I looked at that game, the Forest game, Forest lost possession down one end, which should have been a free kick. Everyone knows it now, it should have been a free kick. The referee never gave the free kick. The ball went down the other end, Forest scores, Forest went mad. But no one said anything. That goal was an own goal. All they concentrated on was that one mistake by the referee, which, mi- which missed the free kick. The ball went through the midfields, through the defence, went wide, crossed the box, an own goal. Now, really, it's ridiculous, isn't it, to think that three phases of play nearly resulted in an own goal. But let's forget about that. Let's play the rest. And these, these are the sort of things that we just think we can't, we can't leave them un- un- unaddressed. Yeah. And we've, we've done a blog on, on our website, uk about the connection between crime and referee abuse. We say in Liverpool, when I was born, people might find this stereotypical, but the kids used to steal uh, the signs off the back of their car. And, you know, the Beastie Boys used to have a, a Volkswagen sign around their neck. And people used to copy that. And, and, and they take various signs and put it on the bedroom door. And then these people are trying to get the boot of the car and take the take the schools out, and then you'll get the radio by getting the door, and then eventually they take the car, have a car crash, and someone gets serious injured. I will quite that back to referee abuse. We think the taking of the sign is the online abuse. The taking of the, of the tools is these comments on, on the field of play. The taking of the radio is the comments in the bar, and the taking the car off in the car crash is when a referee gets physically assaulted. Yeah. So our strategy is, just like they do with crime, if you address it early on in the process, it's probably not going to escalate or people will be a bit more aware of what the problem is. And that's why we do it. Football is a game of opinions, isn't it? And I think that's, that's what... You know that's one of the sort of that's one of the the secrets of the game's success. And at the Western League level, albeit that the fans aren't paying a lot of money to go and watch, um, they are paying uh, five quid um, to, to go in. So so they're going to be entitled to their opinion. A lot of what we're talking about really is reflecting on the fact that referees are uh, referees and assistant referees are human beings. So from your perspective, and also from the perspective as a trainer who you're dealing with referees, obviously to cope with with the situations that they find themselves in a stadium where there might be one or two hundred people, and you know they might be having a bad day at the office. Uh, decisions might not be um, going their way. 
what would your message be to the fans and, and, and perhaps even, you know, more broadly to the, the managers and the players as well about how they should manage their criticism and their engagement with the match officials? Well, well the first line of what you just asked in your question is, is the one I've got the biggest problem with. It's this entitlement. They think because I paid money, I'm entitled to vent my screen. And quite frankly, that's ridiculous. You don't pay for the rights to abuse any individual anywhere. You wouldn't get someone saying, I've just bought a tin of beans from Tesco, so therefore I'm going to abuse the person at the check-in or the people that stack the shelves. So why would it be any more appropriate to do that in a football environment? So that's the first point I'd like to make there. But one of the things that we've noticed is about um, the Western League particularly is that the vast majority of clubs are absolutely incredible, they're brilliant, and we love it. We love engaging with them. But there's some that are really just off the scale with regards to how they operate, and it wouldn't be right to name, name those, but I, don't, I think if you look at the uh, misconduct charts, it wouldn't be you know, too hard to find out who they are. And it's almost this default setting that when something goes wrong or we lose, it's, it's the referee's fault. You know, we were also looking at making T-shirts with just all my faults on. You know, Balotelli used that T-shirt, Why Always Me? And this has been going on for ages. It's, it's ridiculous. And then they're saying, oh, we can't get crowds in. Well, do you really think people want to pay something to go into the crowds? And then they're the manager breaking referees for 90 minutes. So we the players effing and blinding. Is that really conducive to attracting spectators to your stadium? One of the things I've been sort of um, uh, looking at for, um, for the men's 11-a-side game, which I think is underpinning some of the restructuring um, that the FA are looking at doing at steps five and six, is the, the, the decline in numbers um, of, of men playing Saturday afternoon 11-a-side football. Is that trend mirrored in, in terms of match officials? Are you seeing fewer people coming forward to officiate than before? Yes and no. I think what, one of the problems from a referee's perspective is that it's the demands upon the referee. Players, you had the Jürgen Klopp moaning, didn't you, about how many games Liverpool had to play. Mm-hmm. No one thought about the referees. For instance, Martin, Mark, um, Martin Atkinson did something like, I think it was it was nine games over over two weeks. So some, some were VAR and some were fourth officials and all that, but it's the commitment to the game that happens. And, and what you find at, at Western League level is that um, re- referees at that level and above, closed dates, they call it. So they go on Moas, some people might be familiar with Moas. And they, they go on Moas and they close the dates. Now, if they don't close that date, the FA can throw a game at them quite late. So this can affect the personal life and the work life. Sometimes the expectations of the FA are unfair on match officials. They expect them to be there at beck and call. So that's one problem that people step up to Western League level, which is a great level of football, and people should aspire to operate at it. But can't commit to those levels. They can't. We've criticised the FA for sending letters out saying, oh, you know, not many of you are, are, are available in, in August. Well, August is the holiday season. The Southwest's amazing industry is tourism, so these referees might work in that. So there's, there's lots of permutations with regards to the to, to referees' availability, but we would say at Western League level particularly, I think the mechanisms are in place to support referees properly, but holding this uh, manager's forum again at Cheddar on Monday the 2nd of, of March, which is all about engaging with um, managers and players as well as referees and getting to understand not only what a referee's expectation is of a club and a, a team, it's the team's expectation of the match officials. And again, I'll be naive to say that sometimes the standards of the, of the officials at Western League level 
hadn't felt below par. I'd be naive to say hadn't. Obviously, does, and we just want to be able to increase the chances of every, everyone having a positive experience of football at Western League level, including the players, including the rest. Part of the FA's um, restructuring um, process is going to see the, 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 the footprint of the Western League um, expanding um, further down into the southwest, down into Cornwall next season. Does that represent a challenge for match officials as well in terms of how, um, how officials will be selected for games next season? I think it's twofold. Um, it depends what way the FA structure this with regards to the geographical area. Uh, the Western League has a fixed fee to help clubs, which you think is... Is a good idea to have a fixed fee. Everyone knows what the fees are each week because clubs have rightly complained that sometimes the match fees are much more than than, than the gate income. So having a, a, a fixed fee, we think that's as positive. However, you could have people travelling from Bristol all the way down to Plymouth on a fixed fee that they might not think is adequate for the expenses of the day. Now, again, going back to what we said earlier about the expectations of referees, they expected to get to the game an hour and a half before kickoff. So if you're travelling from Bristol down to uh, Plymouth Park, you've gone, you've gone for most of the day, and you're, in, and you're going to get a set fee. Then the extra, the assistant referees to um, travel with the referee to help clubs' expenses. So then an assistant referee be out all day, might not get back till seven eight o'clock at night, and get thirty five quid for it. So the, so there's all those little things in there that's going to affect this. But um, also, referees will choose with travel, and, and rightly so. I think it's fair, the same as players, when they travel so far, that there should be a limit on it. And I think referees will probably say, here are, the, here are the clubs I can travel to. Now, that in itself creates problems, because you go into the same clubs, you might be too familiar with them, that can work both ways. If you're having a great game, they're going to be happy to see you. If, if you had a couple of poor games and sent off the captain and give two penalties against them, probably not going to be likely to happy to see you. So there's lots of different problems that, that are going to occur here. From our point of view, as a Chelsea, it won't affect us. We've got people all over the southwest who can help help clubs. We, we even went down to Bristol Parkway when they, they won an Avars recently, which was a, a great result, not only for the club, but also for the league. So geographically to us, it, it, it doesn't really matter because, you know, we got such a huge group of coaches but from the referees point of view there are going to be challenges that, that they, they, not, they, not, they might not be used to also which is all the clubs should, should be aware of this if they're not they need to look at it some of them complain about the standards of refereeing now at, in, in the Premier Division that's now going to drop down a level to what's known as level 4 so level 4s currently do the Western League First Division only in regards to the Western League but now they do the Premier now the knock-on effect of that is A, numbers. There's going to have to be significant increase in the amount of level fours. But more importantly, the standard of a system referee now drops. So you'll have a level five, six, and maybe level seven referees during the line. So the Western League, in fairness to them, are being very proactive about this and offering training out to assistant referees and, and, and to referees to ensure that they are, you know, they are ready for these changes, which we think are positive. So obviously with more pressure 
um, on the uh, on the match officials. It's going to be even more important to get people interested in this side of the game, isn't it? And I think one of the things, one of the wonderful things about grassroots football is it provides people who have a love of football with an opportunity to get involved in a number of different areas, whether they're volunteering at their club or whether they're doing the media side of things like I do. But, I mean, from your perspective, obviously you're keen on, on, on encouraging people um, to become match officials and, 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 to, and to take that side of the game up as well. So if there are people out there who have considered um, becoming a match official, but perhaps they've been a little bit put off by the, the treatment that they've, that they've seen at, at some games, what would your message to those people be? Take it up, absolutely take it up. That, that, we're about as well to, to, to help people engage. There's some great county FAs in the region, and there's some county, FA, county FAs that could help referees more. But like I said right at the beginning of this interview, yeah, the trustees that we've been friends for 20, 30 years, in, in refereeing, you make some brilliant friendships. I can go into pubs in Bristol and bump into a player or a, a manager and we have a pint. It's, you can make some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful long-term friendships. Referees have met the husbands, the wives, girlfriends by being a referee. And I would advise anybody to get off the PlayStation, get out of the bedroom, get off the couch and get out and take a referee's course. It's a great way to, to increase your social engagement and, again, your soft skills and just meet people who, who are football lovers like you are. Please, to the FA, which is something they don't do, they don't make people aware when they take the referee's course that there is a problem with referee's abuse. And I believe if the FA just looked at that a, a, a bit more realistically and looked at it in a realistic way to say, you are going to get some stuff said to you that you won't like, but this is the minority. However, what we have seen is that there has been an increase of this level of abuse, which is that we're trying to address. And I just think with the right support... I think everyone will. More referees will engage. Therefore, you'll have more referees to pick from. You have more referees to pick from. The standards will increase. Players should be a little happy with that. And everybody wins. And I just think it's everyone's responsibility, referees as well, referees as well, to, to address the levels of abuse that appears to be going on every level of the game. Um, Martin, thank you very much for your time. We could talk all day, I'm sure, um, but it's been fantastic to hear uh, your perspective and also about the wonderful work that Ref Support do. So please, please keep up that excellent work. Well, thank you for giving us the time. Again, it's, it's great that people engage with us and, and let people know that we're here to help clubs as well as referees. And we're happy to do so all for your chance. So thank you, Ian, and thank you to the Western League. And my thanks to Martin for his time. Now, Tom, that's nearly it from you and me today. But I thought that what we might do um, in these difficult times is perhaps turn to... Uh, I know you're a man who has a, has a great deal of interest in other, other sporting areas. We've spoken a couple of times on the podcast about your love of American football. So for a sports junkie like yourself, when you're in lockdown, what have, what have, you, been able to, um, what have you been able to feed your habit with? It's it's a very difficult. I think mean, yeah, as as you say, I yeah follow sports from you know all over the over the globe. And when when things started getting postponed, you thought oh there'll be something something for me to keep watching. But then it you know as viruses do, it's spread and everything seems to be 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 in the can at the moment. I think it was Australia that that held on the longest. Um, it seemed to I think they're a little bit behind in terms of numbers. Uh, so there, um, there's rugby league over there, which uh, did take place last weekend. So I was able to tune in for the last round of those games before that finally got uh, postponed on Tuesday. I think uh, they had to give up the ghost. I think when sort of uh, the borders were closed and what have you, and um, yeah, 
so stuff like that. Uh, the A League, um, also in, obviously in Australia, uh, the last proper football league to to kind of keep going until uh, the inevitable. And then also they, incredibly, they actually played the first weekend of of fixtures in the AFL uh, Aussie Rules, which seems a bit barbaric, you know, trying to kickstart a competition that'd be like the Premier League starting last weekend, and then say, oh wait, we're gonna have to close down. So. Bit of an odd one, but they did manage to get their first weekend in, so I did tune in for a bit of that. But now it's, you know, as I said, movies seems to be, be the one thing. Obviously got a, bit, a few Netflix, and then in terms of sport, it's, you know, watching old stuff, I guess. I've got quite a few DVDs of, you know, past World Cups and Olympic Games and tune in to and watch, watch bits and bobs like that just to sort of keep the juices flowing as best as possible. And obviously had the worst news yesterday that the, the Olympics has been pushed back. So plenty to look forward to in 2021 if... if if uh, everything can <laughs> return to some sort of normality next year. But, yeah, it's pretty difficult times. Well, I, I look forward to catching up with you next week, Tom. Perhaps we can introduce a feature, Tom's Week of Sport on Television. I'm sure we can come up with a far better title than that. Um, but um, that's your brief, anyway. That's your homework while you're, Sounds good. While you're, while you're in lockdown. <laughs> and um, any recommendations you want to give us on sort of, you know, like the wider world of cinema... Yeah. then feel free to do that as well but obviously anything with a sporting theme um, would be very good and if we do have the capacity to bring it back to the Western League even the better <laughs> but um, anyway we'll look after yourself Tom stay safe you. and um, well just before we go um, one final mention the Toolstation Western League last week um, launched a campaign called Think of a Fan now for many of us um, when we go out on a on a Saturday afternoon or even in midweek fixtures and we often see some familiar faces at the football clubs that we go to not necessarily even the clubs that we support but also those regular away trips as well you start to make friends across the the western league and at this time when we can't not only watch football but we can't even get out of our homes um, those relationships, those casual relationships, um, take on a, a, a new meaning. Uh, there's a chap who takes my money from me when I go to Devizes on the gate. Always a cheery chap. Always have a little chat with him, see him in the bar. Don't know his name. Now, next time I see him, I shall ask him his name. Um, and it's little anecdotes like that, really, I think, that, that make us think of a fan, particularly those fans that are in those vulnerable categories or the high-risk categories that, for them... Toolstation Western League football is an opportunity to get out of the house um, and socialise with people. It might be that we only spend a couple of minutes talking to them or saying hello, but that could make a, a, a huge amount of difference, not just to their mental health, but their enjoyment of the game of, uh, of football that, of course, we all love. So when it, the, mid, the midweek fixtures come around this week and when the Saturday fixtures um, come around um, next week, Think of a fan. Think of somebody that perhaps you can get in touch with on the phone or on Skype or on social media or email or something, even if it's a, a friend of a friend. Think of somebody and ask the question, are they OK? Do they need any help? Because there are plenty of people at the moment doing some incredible work, volunteering to support their local community. Some of our clubs I've seen have been doing some fantastic work as well. I saw Westbury. Um, at the weekend, tweeted out about a food parcel that they were that they were able to get out to um, um, to vulnerable people in their area. So plenty of examples of of ways that Western League clubs and supporters are supporting people in their communities. Because as we all know, our clubs are community hubs. So with that in mind, think of a fan, Tom. Please, thank you very much for your time today. Please stay safe, and I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast.